Hello and welcome to the special Halloween spooky edition of Texas Overtime. I'm contemplating calling it Texas Boovertime, but I have a feeling that that's terrible. That's Ouch. Um, but uh, because I guess we scared off everybody else, it's just me uh, and your sports editors at the Texan, Alex Briseño and Ross Burkhardt. I'm, of course, JT Lindsay, the person least qualified to talk about sports at the Texan, and yet I'm here. Um, so we've got a bunch to talk about this week. Texas football lost to Oklahoma State this past weekend, which was the scariest thing for some uh, for some Texas football fans. But before we get into anything, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of our greatest fears, and that's some of the mascots that NCAA sports teams trot out. Um, so i, I got to ask you guys, in honor of Halloween, what's the scariest mascot of an NCAA sports team? Uh, for me, it's been it's been Willie the Wildcat for a long time. And that's what school is that? That's Kansas State. Um, they went to the Alamo Bowl a few years ago, and I I was there, and I had the unfortunate opportunity to not to meet him, but to be in the same state as him. <laughs> um, and so really, Ross made a good point before the podcast. Any mascot that has a mascot head, and then that's it. Like the rest of the body is just a human body. That shouldn't be allowed. That that is terrifying to me. Like, as far as like biggest fears, drowning number one, Willie the Wildcat number two, mustard number three, clowns number four. Mustard ahead of clowns. That's interesting. Yeah. No, I also I'm 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 on board with that. I don't like it, but I'm not afraid of it. Ross, what 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 are your thoughts? What's the spookiest other than a Heinz mustard? The University of Heinz. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think the scariest mascot in the NCAA, I got to go with my guy, Otto the Orange of Syracuse. And we were just talking about this this iconic YouTube video before the podcast between my mascot and JT's, the, the Stanford Cardinal, where on the old NCAA Football 14, where you could play the, what, what do they call it? The mascot mashup. Mascot mashup. Rest in peace. Yeah, it, it, I can't think of anything more iconic than those fans being able to sit in the stands and watch 11 on 11, a, a, a tree yeah. versus a, a literal orange <laughs> for, for 60 minutes of gameplay. That sounds incredible. I would pay to watch it. Well, and for me, the Cardinal mascot is so terrifying because it has no arms, which is already bizarre. <laughs> like, there's a person in there, and he's not allowed to move his arms. Also, like, the face looks like they were last minute, and they called somebody. They said, go to Hobby Lobby, get something that kind of looks like eyeballs, <laughs> and they did it. And then that's the, been their mascot for years. That's incredible. All right, so now that we've uh, let some of our greatest fears out, uh, my roommate's greatest fear was Texas losing this past weekend, and that was realized. Uh, Oklahoma State, it was their homecoming. They were wearing these beautiful throwbacks to uh, Barry Sanders' record-breaking season. And they uh, they beat the Texas Longhorns thirty eight to thirty five. To Taylor Corne- Taylor Cornelius, the quarterback for OK State, put up the game of his life: three hundred twenty one passing yards, five total TDs. Uh, and Oklahoma State put up thirty one in the first half. Um, there were a lot of reasons for that slow start on the part of the Longhorns. One thing that was notable uh, in the first half, and a lot of people have been, bl- been blaming this, are the suspensions on some notable defensive players. Why don't we talk a little bit about how those, first of all, kind of explain why they were suspended and then maybe how that affected the game. Yeah, what we heard last week from Tom Herman, and it was rumored earlier in the week, was that 
um, two cornerbacks, Devontae Davis and Chris Boyd, were going to be held out for at least a, a, for some portion of the game against Oklahoma State. And we heard last Thursday that um, they were late to a team function um, and then or multiple team functions. We, we don't really know. But um, that's why they were held out for the entire first quarter. And it was obviously a, a disaster for Texas with um, – without those two corners and they gave up 260 yards to the cowboy offense they were they were just running in open field like shedding tacklers like left and right they, they couldn't be brought down they were averaging 9.6 yards per play by the end of that quarter they were nearly getting a first down every time they snapped the ball it was crazy i mean and then and then early on in the second quarter they go up 24 to 7 and it was it was beginning to feel like one of those games that we had seen um, before where Texas wasn't going to be able to recover, like the Maryland game, for instance. Like, they got out to a big deficit and then really just couldn't recover it no matter what they did down the stretch. Yeah, no, I mean, I got a few texts earlier last week talking about the possibility possibility of there being some suspensions. Um, and then Herman came out Thursday, like, like Ross said. Now, the interesting thing is another source told me that Chris – and Devante were just they just missed class, and that little Jordan Humphrey was the one that was late to a practice, and they kind of just jumbled everything together, which isn't unheard of. I think coaches are kind of known for just using the generic, you know, violation of team rules or late to a team function, um, and then suspend them however you deem necessary. And so, um, I would like to say that that first quarter performance was due to those suspensions but I, I don't think it was like Chris Boyd struggled all the majority of the night I, I mean Tylen Wallace 222 yards on 10 catches um and so even when they came in they couldn't slow him down they yeah they, I mean they came in in the second quarter and Oklahoma State still dropped 14 points um and so like Ross said it, it felt like that Maryland game it was the same score they fall down 24 to 7 and you you had an idea that Texas would come out and put something together to make it respectable, and I mean it was more than respectable. Um, Chris Nelson put it best. I mean they they made a push. It's just I mean he said quote time waits for no man, and that's really just what happened. I mean if you had a few more minutes, this team I mean, everybody knew where the momentum was going um, in that second half, and so I, I would like I think going into that second half people wanted to believe that it was due to those suspensions i don't think it was i think it was um the defensive line as well o oklahoma state was getting to the next level the whole first half and so um i, I talked to charles amanahu and chris nelson and they said they watched the film and the coaches warned them they said that you know y'all are going to get frustrated when y'all watch what what happened on saturday and i mean they said they were they were angry and so um the dangerous thing here is that they're going to be playing a team that is much better than what they saw Saturday. Oklahoma State, Ross and I were talking about this earlier, Oklahoma State is a poor man's West Virginia in just about everything that they do. Take out Taylor Cornelius, who Texas made look like Tua, uh, and fill in Will Greer, who has actually, I mean, been in the Heisman race. Um, so it, it's going to be tricky, especially with the weapons that West Virginia has. Um, I'd be a fool to say that Texas rolls out the same defense this Saturday, um, but we can agree that if they come out with that same same squad, that they're going to get run off the field. 
Well, and this this kind of seems like a reversal of what at least I expected from this team previously, which is for the longest time I, I thought in Herman's first season this team was strong start, slow finish, you know. And I think that happened a lot. It happened notably at last year's, you know, USC game. Um, what's the difference now? Why is it – because this team, this isn't the first time, you know. Obviously, they've been mostly getting Ws, but, you know, Texas has been doing this, slowing down uh, in, at the start and then having to make up for it with a strong finish. Why is that? That's – I mean, that, that was one of the biggest questions on Monday is that this defense is a team that has given up points on six – of the first six out of the eight first possessions. So um, they asked Tom Herman, I mean, why can't y'all stop teams on the first possession? And he said, I don't know. I'm going to talk to Todd Orlando about it, but I don't have an answer for you right now. And so um, Charles, a man who had kind of had a similar answer, he was kind of snarky about it. He's like, it's not like we go out there and we say, okay, let's give up 14 points and then we'll start playing. We, I mean, they actually didn't. Nobody we asked this week has had an answer for it. And so, um, I, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting that they, they defer to the second half on the road with suspensions on the defense. Um, I think if if they go back, they might want to start off with the ball. Just, I mean, it, it wouldn't hurt. And so, maybe that's something they start doing. You know, just take the ball to start the game. Don't put the defense out there and – I mean, I don't know if that would help at all, but, I mean, this defense has struggled on the first drive. It doesn't matter who they're playing. If you watch just the first drive against TCU, USC, um, Oklahoma State, you would assume that this was going to be a long night for for Texas, and it usually, I mean, it never ends up being like that. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that kind of pans out these next few games to see. Todd Orlando, everybody knows, I mean, he's a – He's a good coach. He he had a rough night for the first time since he's gotten here, really. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how they respond. I don't know if they – it'll be a little bit tougher this week with Will Greer. Um, but, I mean, I don't have an answer. Tom Herman doesn't have an answer. The players don't have an answer. And so it's just one of those things that uh, until it stops happening, it, I don't know if there there is a, a solution. That's ironic that you brought that up about – um, maybe them choosing to defer because that was one of the questions that I asked Orlando when we met with him earlier. And he said that this is something that they've said since both of them were back at Houston. And he said he's talked to, to Herman about it and he's told him, like, you don't even have to ask me. Like, we want to be on defense first. And he said, he said um, the worst thing a coordinator can, can do is say, hey, let's get the ball because I'm over here worried about the first possession, which I get. But, um, I mean, that was the whole reason I asked him was because this has been a consistent problem, it seems like, where they give up a score in the first three or four minutes of the game. And then, I mean, it, regardless of who you're playing, that's that's not how you want to start out. And that puts it puts your offense in a difficult position, especially, I mean, it, it seemed like Sam was healthy, like, the whole way. But, I mean, they didn't have LJ. And when you when – you, Combine that with Sam's shoulder, who, who we we didn't really know how it was going to be, and then no Chris, no Devonte in the first quarter. It, it it really didn't make a lot of sense to me why they did do that. But apparently, that's a decision that they've been sticking with for a long time, and it doesn't sound like they're going to change it just because of the results that they've seen. Yeah, um, and let's talk a little bit about Sam Ellinger. I know there was some concern. Obviously, he had the bye week to recover, but he certainly made a strong showing. Um, 
completion percentage was 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 down a little bit from what we've come to expect the last few weeks. But mm-hmm. you know, put up two two touchdowns on the ground, two touchdowns in the air. Um, was there? I mean, it, it was, were there any signs of where, do you think? Do you think he's good no, to go for I the mean, rest of the season? If you look at the, the – compl- I don't know if completion percentage is the thing to look at in this game. Because no. when you fall down 24-7, I mean yeah. – and with the running game where it's at, um, I mean, Sam – after, I mean, halfway through the first quarter, you knew Sam was going to have to throw over 35 yeah, passes. Look, I mean, look at how much he had to throw the ball. Well, that's what, what I'm saying. I mean, thing. when it, you it, fall behind 24-7, you can't just, you know – run the ball you're gonna have to start forcing stuff and you could tell he, he was forcing stuff um on a few throws and so um at least as far as i mean going 22 for 42 uh, that's not something that i'm concerned about i know that's not something he's really concerned about uh to be quite honest with you but this looks i mean on paper it, it might not show it as like i said with completions but for, with what i saw um and some of the passes that he made i mean there are videos of Texas fans and analysis saying that he made some of the best throws of his career. That little, the, the Andrew Beck throw. There were several throws that if he doesn't make that, it could possibly be over. And so um, looking back at this last year and a half or so for Sam, this will be one of the circles games as one of his best performances of the year. Because, um, I mean, I don't want to call out you know Shane because he was on the sideline the whole time. But if he were – to start in that game, which there was a chance that he was going to, or at least play some, I'm not sure this team comes within three points of Oklahoma State on that night, because um, there were just some throws that Sam made that he wouldn't, he couldn't have made last year, um, and so I mean, it, it, while it it got buried in what happened at the end of the game, which was just embarrassing on all fronts, um, it. Like I said, it's tough because it gets buried, but this was one of his best performances of, of his Longhorn career. And how about, once again, no turnovers for Ellinger? I mean, we, we haven't seen him turn the ball over since week one, which is like, talk about a way to respond to all the doubters that were back in the offseason last year because that's all anybody ever talked about. That was his biggest fault. And here he is, week in and week out, coming off a bye, coming off that injury, still responds with, I mean, a, a pretty solid game overall. I mean, enough to definitely keep them in there. They had a, a really good chance to win the game at the end, despite, I mean, they were down by 17 points for multiple different, uh, multiple different points in the game. Uh, I mean, I think overall, like, I mean, we talked about this before, it was... I originally looked at the game as not one of Sam's best. And then, I mean, when you when you think about it further, think about what he did for the team, the throws that he made, when you really break down what he did and go back and watch some of the throws that he made, it, it really was one of the games that it's not going to be noted very highly in his career because they lost, and it's 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 going to be one of the down points of the season. But, I mean, his performance was, like, was just stellar. I mean, the way that he's played – all year, it was pretty consistent with the rest of those games. Yeah, but um, you know, Alex, you alluded to it um, that no matter how you know good a game or even solid the offense performed at times, and Sam Ellinger played well, the end of the game is where all the headlines came from. It's going to be where everybody talks about this. Um, no matter, unless you know Texas really recovers, but if there's any problems for the rest of the season, the end of the game is what's going to be pointed to. Uh, and that's uh, a series of, I don't know, for lack of a better word, kerfuffles <laughs> between uh, okay, okay State and Texas. 
Um, so Oklahoma State, at the end of the game, is lining up in victory formation. Uh, and for some reason, Brecken Hager, who, and we'll get into this a little bit, but Brecken Hager, who during media days, all season, you guys, so many others have said, this is his season, he's really matured, he's really this, he's really that. Uh, he goes at the other team while they're in victory formation. And from there, all hell breaks loose. I mean, that's not that's not just an emotions thing. Like, that's just right. something that everybody knows. Like, you just you can't do that. The game yeah. was over. They had their shot, and, and they didn't get it. And so, it, And it's it's at a point where I think it was Charles Amena who, who said it. I mean, when you find yourself on the wrong end of a victory formation, you have to accept, I mean, what led up to that point. I mean, yeah. And he said it. Charles said, you know, it, it wasn't them, it was us. Like, he said mm-hmm. that, I mean, they're the reason they were in that situation. And so, I don't know what Brecken was upset about. I don't know if he was getting stepped on or if people were talking, but whatever happened, he let it get to him. Um, and I think it was on the second knee, <clears throat> as time was winding down, mm-hmm. and he continues to go through the whistle, which I haven't seen in a long time. I, I know there's a couple of scuffles between, I mean, at the end of a game in that situation, but... That really, the players were good about separating, mm-hmm. um, but that came uh, with Mike Gundy storming onto the field. Now, from where I was, I didn't see that. I saw um, the sidelines are so tight, you, I couldn't see a whole lot through the camera, my camera guys. But um, moments later, I see um, somebody that looks like Tom Herman sprint toward midfield. I go, oh, that's crazy. Is it a ball boy? And no, um, it's Tom Herman running. Held back by three, four referees. Held back by the good old Big 12 officials. The, be- the best job they've done uh, all night. On the midfield logo at um, that, he's not three or four yards off the sideline <laughs> trying to get a referee's uh, uh, attention. He's out there. almost. He's almost closer to the Oklahoma State sideline at this point than he <laughs> is to his own. And just pointing, pointing down Mike. <laughs> And I have never seen anything like that. And it was just such a strange range of emotions for Texas. Um, an awful look for for a game that's broadcasted or aired on ABC with the national. I mean, here's the thing. At that point in the game, a lot of college football fans are going to be watching because everybody wants to see a top 10 team lose. Um, I was watching Ohio State when they got upset by Purdue. And that's just, I mean, if you're a college football fan, that's what you live for. And so a lot of eyes were on this game right as Texas completely collapsed. Um, And it was strange because I don't know if it's because they haven't had to deal with losing as much as they have in the past four or five years, but it was just an unfortunate look that this team put out there, um, really for the whole university. I mean, mean, even back with, you remember Herman's reaction to the the – was it the the penalty where they called him for a false start, or was it offsides? Which one was it? On what? It was sometime in like the third quarter. Called. It was called against Texas, but you remember we saw Herman was like. Oh, on the punt. Was it the punt? It was the punt in the second quarter, I think. Oh, yeah. I didn't cut that part out. There was one other notable. Uh, uh, this was an online kerfuffle between former Texas linebacker Emmanuel Acho, current uh, Longhorn Network commentator, and uh, current, well, I guess it was an Instagram kerfuffle for Chris Boyd, 
But uh, for Acho, he stayed to Twitter. But My goodness. It, it was ridiculous. It, yeah. So why don't we talk a little bit about what happened there? Do, do we think this is a significant problem? I mean, Chris Boyd's a, a leader on the team. It's strange. Um, Acho, he's made comments after every game. Um, and, I mean, I remember he was livid after Texas lost to Maryland. And he posted a video, several videos. Um, and he's done it throughout the season. And so um, the th- I think the tweet that really got under Chris's skin. Right. Um, it comes down to that one tweet where where Acho says, I can't watch this dude play defense anymore, straight trash, something like that, something you, along those lines. Yeah, I, I can't watch this dude play defense anymore. It's actually trash. Yeah. If you know, you know. And yeah. Like, that's a, there's no question that it's about at least several defensive backs. If not, I think, I mean, if, you're, if you watch the game, I think you kind of can narrow it down to one or two players. And so... Um, I think that's really the one that kind of triggered everything because if it's just him making general comments saying, like, Texas, what the hell are you doing? That's different from saying, I can't watch this one guy play because he's not good at his job. Like, that is, especially coming from a former Longhorn, um, it's strange. And as tough as it is, Chris Boyd, I don't think think he can – I don't think he should – uh, resort to an Instagram story to to fire back, um, yep, especially yep. in the the manner that he that he did it. Yeah, yeah, Boyd. Boy, it was it was black with white text on it. It said, uh, "You know, keep running your effing mouth. Don't show up around this facility. You were warned at practice. Running your mouth further than your football career took you." That's interesting to think that this probably isn't the first incident that that they've had because we've never heard anything, of course, about him at practice or anything like that. Who knows when that was from? But, he, I mean, he alludes to a previous incident. So, I mean, there's obviously been this tension brewing here for a while. And and Acho, obviously a huge commentator on Texas. I, I think that post, like Alex said, is really the, probably the thing that really really set off Chris Boyd. I mean, he he likes to talk a lot. That, that's a just a known fact around the facility. All the players know that. I mean, that's who he's been – for years now. So, I mean, I think that probably isn't the best way to respond, especially, I mean, on top of what we saw on national TV at midfield to in the Oklahoma State game. That didn't exactly help the look for Texas overall when you have a former player and then a current player going at each other back and forth like that. Just a really bad look for Texas overall, I think. Yeah. But uh, no matter – any potential throwdowns or any Twitter spats. There's still another football game on Saturday. Texas is playing West Virginia. Texas is playing West Virginia right here uh, in Austin, a short jaunt from the office here. Uh, you know, Texas fell nine spots in the AP poll mm-hmm. this week, and they were number 17 in the first college football playoff rankings. Um, but let's talk a little bit about West Virginia. Will Greer is your Heisman guy. Uh, Ross has been all year. Wait, what? Okay, you were that was your dark horse candidate. at the beginning of the year. No, yeah. I was all in. I said, I so said, was West Virginia. <laughs> yeah, no, I still well, from back from media days in July in Frisco. But I mean, since the last few weeks or so, I mean, it, right. it, it, it's it's been a runaway. But that's besides the point. Okay. Anyway, <clears throat> West Virginia, Will Greer, and the Mountaineers uh, are coming to Austin. What are the expectations for this game? Um, what do we expect from the Longhorns? The the tricky thing here is that the Texas defense is 
going to come out better than they did against Oklahoma State. I mean, the fact that it's at home is huge for Texas. They have good wins against, I don't know about good anymore. They have decent wins over USC and TCU at home. Um, but the tricky part comes in when you bring a West Virginia offense into into play. And so this is a team that dropped 58 against Baylor, um, but then dropped 14 against Iowa State. And so um, th- that's the thing. I think if Texas, who they kept this West Virginia team to 14 points last year, but that was without Will Greer. Um, I don't, my, I don't want to go by gut, but if I had to predict um, what I think will happen, I think West Virginia will win. Um, with that being said, I was wrong like three or four weeks in a row in the first half of the season. I picked TCU, USC, and OU. Um, so I wouldn't take that prediction to heart because I would probably be wrong like I've been so many times this season. Um, but really, I, I think it comes down to over under 35, and I think West Virginia can score over 35 points, and I, I just don't think Texas can. This West Virginia defense, um, really, aside from Iowa State, has put together some pretty strong performances. Um, when they play Texas Tech, who's notorious for having a, a great offense, um, they held them to 10 points in the first half, and then, I mean, they collapsed in the fourth, but... Um, I think West Virginia will score more than 35 points. I have them at around 38. And I just – Texas, I, I don't have them – I mean, the only time they did that was um, – correct me if I'm wrong. Did Was the only time they scored more than 40? Oklahoma. It was Oklahoma. And so um, I just don't think they can do that, you know, on a week-to-week basis. So I, I got – I'll put them at 35 or even 31. Um so give me West Virginia, 38-31. Yeah. Um, I think, and I've kind of been eager to ask Herman about this tomorrow, is I was like, do these guys understand how much this game is going to impact who is sitting in Dallas for the the the, um, the Big 12 championship come December? Um, if Texas wins, I think they're clearly in the driver's seat for one of those spots. Uh, I mean, they like they're not out of the woods yet. They've got some some pretty solid matchups down the stretch. But this is um, the last game that if Texas can mark this off their schedule as a W, I think you can almost put them in the Big Twelve championship. And this is just one that I mean, they're going to need to to come out and have a pretty big offensive game to keep up with with Will Greer and David Sills and the rest of the Mountaineer offense. I mean, I think if the defense, the Texas defense, by some measure holds them under 30 points, that's an incredible game on on the defensive end, regardless of of, of the, the fashion in which West Virginia scores. If they can hold them under 30 points, I think Texas, the Texas offense has to go out there and, and win that game. Um, like you said... I don't know if they will keep them under 35. I like that number to put over under. That's what it's going to take to win this game. Um, I think they will play better than they did against Oklahoma State. I see them playing a, a bounce-back game. Uh, I also am going to pick West Virginia, though. I, I think I would put it probably somewhere around maybe uh, 34, 28, somewhere around there. I think it will be a one-score game. And, I mean, even if – the, the defense struggles a little bit, has a little bit of, of a layover. I think, I mean, Sam Ellinger has shown he can keep the, the Longhorns in the game even when they're down by multiple scores. I mean, so why would we think 
that he he wouldn't be able to do that again. So um, not really sure how we're going to get there, what the defense is going to look like yet, but uh, I think I'm going to pick West Virginia in this one. All right. Um, so with all that in mind, it's certainly going to be an interesting weekend uh, for Longhorns. Like you said, Ross, very impactful on the Texas postseason, on everybody in the Big 12's postseason. Uh, so all eyes will certainly be on Austin this weekend. Uh, thank you guys for, for doing this. All of us are under the weather. All of us are registering for classes. All of us are applying for internships, and all of us would rather not be doing any of that. <laughs> um, so thank you guys for listening. Be sure and follow Texan Sports on Twitter at Texan Sports. Follow us at the podcast department at Texan Podcast. Uh, be sure to be reading Ross and Alex's coverage. Be following them on Twitter so that you can uh, at least know enough about football. To, to host a podcast because that's about all I do. <laughs> so uh, thanks, you guys, for listening. Have a happy, well, November because this is going up on the 1st. All right. Bye, guys. <laughs>